This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome back to Sound the Foghorn. It's our Game 3 edition of... Game 3 edition of the podcast. As always, I am your host, Mark DeLuke, and the Giants are one victory away from reaching the NLCS, from defeating their rival Los Angeles Dodgers. They win today one to nothing. In truly a, I mean, again, it's what playoff baseball is all about. High intensity from beginning to end. Max Scherzer on the hill versus Alex Wood. Giants facing Scherzer for the first time. Because, of course, he started the wild card game um, for the Dodgers when they defeated the Cardinals. Scherzer goes seven strong, strikes out ten, gives up only three hits. But the one hit be the most costly would ultimately be the difference on the scoreboard was a home run by Evan Longoria to left center field into the wind on one of the windiest days, potentially the windiest day in Dodgers stadium history. You can talk to reporters and players. They go, they've never seen it like this. This is a tangent. We're not going to get into it, but it is, uh, you know, one of many signs as you're seeing, you know, the effects of, of climate change start, you know, to, to impact sports. We've seen it with a number of stadiums deal with flooding, particularly on the East coast. Um, as we're seeing, you know, just more rampant flooding, more, consistent storm surge in areas that may have uh, found it easier to deal with we've seen um you know games uh, particularly in northern california and nevada be impacted by smoke from the 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 mammoth the massive fires um we we've seen over the past year and a half and today is one obviously it didn't cancel the game you know it wasn't lightning storms or something to that effect but you know this is a, a climate you know the santa Ana winds that you know tend not to start up till november at the very least late october we're here on october 11th they're playing and that means dodger stadium played like candlestick part you saw fly balls especially if it got too much lift on it, just getting killed by the wind and knocked down. And that made it an incredibly pitcher-friendly environment. And you could see it on the outfielders, but both the Giants and Dodgers, and you know, not an outfielders with really strong defensive reputations, Chris Taylor, Steven Duggar, where they'd go back on a ball, and at the last minute, they'd have to run three, four steps forward. It was like they were fielding a punt because they were used to it they, they were used to it going back further they were reading off the bat running backwards and realizing no it's not going to reach where i thought um it was but longoria um you know i, I saw some reports talk about at the game that the wind died down just a little bit in that fifth inning he took advantage granted he absolutely crushed the ball um you know and uh it might have been a home run anyway but nonetheless um, the Giants get that early one-run lead. Wood on the hill goes four uh, and two-thirds innings. Does you know is again since he's come off the aisle since he dealt with COVID and really all season, you know 
Wood does his job. He gets the batters in front of him. He get you know walks a couple, gives up a pair of hits, but um, you know no home runs and no extra base hits. And he leaves with runners on base for Tyler Rogers. Yes, you heard that right. Tyler Rogers in the fifth inning. And this is you know a, a credit to Gabe Kapler. You know this was something that I. I um, well, you know, these are managers who we don't think of in similar terms in terms of their managing style, in terms of their approach. But Bruce Bochy is the greatest postseason manager, I think, in my lifetime and, and uh, definitely who I've ever seen. I can definitely attest to that. And one of the reasons was because Bochy managed every playoff game like it was game seven and he managed every inning like it was the 7th or 8th or ninth. It didn't matter how early in the game it was. If a game was close and had a chance to get out of hand, he was going to a, his one of his best arms early. He wasn't worried about burning out bullpen arms because you can only live as long as the game is close. And he understood that. If it was the third inning, it was the fourth inning, it was the second inning or first, he was willing to make a change. We saw, while they didn't have to do it with Kevin Gaussman in their Game 2 loss, the Giants almost pinch hit for him in the second inning with Tommy Insella because they had the chance to break the game open offensively. They didn't. They went on to lose the game. Not because of that. But nonetheless, today, Wood goes four and two-thirds. There's runners on base. The Giants just grabbed a one-run lead. And Kapler's not going to give it up. He goes to the Giants' best reliever all season, Tyler Rogers, who gets out of it, ends up going an inning in two-thirds, throws 29 pitches, gives up a lot of contact. And this is one of the things, we, I'll get to it after I do the full recap, but it's going to be interesting to see what, we, what Rogers' usage looks like if there are two more games or even tomorrow. Rodgers, as I mentioned, gives us some hard contact, gives up three hits in his inning in two-thirds, um, finishes the fifth, goes through the sixth, then starts the seventh, gets one out, and gives up some base runners. So then Kapler turns to Jake McGee, the man who was essentially signed to be the Giants' closer this offseason, has been the Giants' closer, leads the team and saves by a healthy margin, but... Dealt with a late season injury. This is only his second appearance back, and this was his first appearance in any high leverage. He's facing Austin Barnes, who's pinch hitting for Scherzer. He strikes him out on three pitches. Next batter up, Mookie Betts. Betts squares up a 94-mile-per-hour fastball on the heart of the plate. There's runners on first and second. Chris Taylor, I believe it's Chris Taylor, is running on whoever is the runner. Might have been actually um, McKinney. But anyway, pinch runner running on contact with two outs. It is a shot over the head of Brandon Crawford. Crawford leaps up with an incredible snag out of the air. Truly incredible play at the most important moment of the game. If he doesn't make that catch, if he doesn't reach that ball, if he mistimes that jump, the Dodgers easily tie the game. And they have runners on first and second, possibly first and third with two outs. And then Trey Turner coming to the plate to face McGee with an opportunity to give the Dodgers the lead with a base hit. Instead, Crawford makes the play. The Giants go to the eighth inning with a 1-0 lead. The Dodgers, after Scherzer, they don't hold back. They're playing 
like they want to keep it all game. They go to their best. They go to their two best relievers in the eighth and ninth. Blake Trinan and Kenley Jansen. Both of them don't give up a base runner. Jansen strikes out the side. But the Giants turn to Camilo Doval in the eighth. Talked about it in my game one podcast. I'm going to talk about it again. I said Rodgers has been the Giants' best reliever all season, but he is not the Giants' best reliever right now. Once again, Camilo Doval comes in in the bottom of the eighth inning, faces Trey Turner, Corey Seager, Justin Turner. Gets them down in order. You know, Seager has some solid contact on the flyout, but, you know, nothing square. Bottom of the ninth, they give the rookie a chance to get the two out, the six out save. It's a flyout from Chris Taylor, strikes out A.J. Pollock on a beautiful slider. It was probably off the plate, but it was an 0-2. It was a perfect pitch on 0-2 in the count. Gets the call. And then with two outs... Dodgers send up Gavin Lux. And, you know, I, I was I wrote this down at, at the time. You know, the, the biggest at-bats that you saw for Doval were going to be, to me, Corey Seager and whoever pinch hit for the pitcher spot, which at, at this point is what, what Lux represented. And that's because Doval, as nasty as, as he's been, has had some... Problems with platoons. This this isn't news. I've talked about this on the podcast. I talked about it on the scouting reports I've written for him. And you know, I'm again, obviously, both the Turners. You know, plenty every any hitter could have tied in a one run game. But you know, Corey Seager's an amazing hitter and left handed. Gavin Lux has been incredibly hot recently. One of the, obviously the best pops. Not too long ago, was one of the best prospects in baseball. And Lux nearly squares up. I mean. For all intents and purposes, he does square up fastball in the outer part of the plate. He thinks it's gone. I think a lot of people thought it was gone. Duggar works back to the wall, steps forward, and on the edge of the warning track, hauls in the catch, giving the dot, giving the Giants a two to one series lead, putting them on the verge of potentially reaching the NLCS. Now they still got more work to do. They come back tomorrow. And if they lose that one, they'll have to come back two days later at Oracle Park and finish the job. Dodgers are by no means out of this game. The Giants have won two out of three against the second-best team in Major League Baseball, and they were only a game ahead of them, obviously, as the standings wound down. But I just want to take a second. I think this podcast is going to be called Camilo Doval is a star and the Giants are on the verge of the NLCS or something to that effect because, man, it's electric to watch him pitch. And, you know, Tyler Rogers talked about it in a post-game interview. I think it was with Alex Pavlovich over at NBC Sports Bay Area. And Rogers said, man, he goes, I don't think he's ever going to get a sp- I don't think he's ever going to get a speeding ticket. He's just so calm out there. And you can see it. Doval is not too big for the moment. Or, excuse me, the moment is not too big for Doval. He pumps gas so easily the feel for his slider is there and you know you you looking at a guy who a month and a half ago he was struggling to throw strikes at AAA today in two innings of work against some of the best hitters in baseball again he faced Trey Turner Corey Seager Justin Turner Chris Taylor AJ Pollock and Gavin Lux I mean Trey Turner 
top five position player, arguably top five player in baseball. Corey Seager, Justin Turner, they're elite bats. Chris Taylor, not the same he is against righties as he is lefties, but still a really good hitter. Already talked about Lux and you know Pollock, a good hitter. Duvall gets six outs. It takes him 22 pitches. 15 of those 22 pitches are strikes. It's 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 this incredible development. And again, I want to give credit to the Giants player development staff and coaches, but you know, there's only so much you can give credit to coaches. There's only so much credit you can give to a front office. At a certain point, it comes down to players being able to execute, to players doing what they need to do to take the steps forward in their development. You know, we've seen plenty of relief pitchers with huge velocity or nasty sliders come through the Giants system. Ray Black is the, ob- the obvious one that comes to mind, but he is far from the only one. Heck, you could look at Sam Coonrod. You could look at Hunter Strickland. You could look at several arms. Um, Strickland wasn't, you know, drafted by the Giants, but, you know, Jason Stoffel, you could, you know, Bryce Bandia. I mean, there, there's arms and arms and arms who've had maybe not exactly the straits of Doval, but, you know, s- similar trajectories. Melvin Edon, another one, who's still in the system. And, you know, they were just never able to make the adjustment. That's not limited to the Giants. It is really hard to throw strikes with any consistency, even harder to locate it. And argue, and it may be even harder when you're throwing the ball 101 miles, when you have to have a motion that's generating such incredible velocity, such incredible spin on your slider. You know, that that's a hard thing to do. Duvall struggled his whole career. I mean, I was at the trade deadline. I, I got to eat crow on this. Because at the trade deadline, I was saying, if I were the Giants, I'd be trying to package Duvall and like Mauricio Dubon to get Craig Kimbrell from the Cubs to go and get me a closer. You know, maybe Doval's in a trade package to either get a really good closer or maybe he's a prospect that's used to get Chris Bryant, you know? And had the Giants done that, they would be worse right now. Camilo Doval isn't just playing like the best reliever on the Giants. He's playing like one of the best relievers in baseball. And again, it's only been about six weeks. This could all be undone. At any moment, we've seen plenty of relievers have incredible stretches and regress the next season. But boy, when you watch Doval pitch, when you see him locating these pitches, and when you see his velocity, his stuff, on at the end of the season, we're not talking about April. We're not talking about May. We're talking about a player who's had a full season. He hasn't dealt with injuries. He didn't miss time. He threw 30 innings at AAA this year and 28 appearances. He had a 4.99 ERA. And those 30 and two-thirds innings, he had 24 walks. He had three batters. That's nearly one per inning. He threw 27 innings in the big leagues this year. He's 57 appearances in the regular season. This is someone who should be tired. This is someone who should be gassed. Instead, He's throwing strikes on 70% of his pitches. Something he's never done for any extended stretch since he was in rookie ball back in 2017. I mean, again, you know, the playoffs are normally a time 
for players like a Cody Ross or a Marco Scudero or a Dave Roberts. You know, good players, solid players, veteran players who maybe haven't ever had, you know, the regular season numbers to be considered a star, but they can have their moment on the big stage. A journeyman like Travis Ishikawa can walk off home run to clinch the NLCS, clinch the pennant. Yusmyro Petit can have an incredible performance in a in a in, in an extra inning game, six shutout innings, and help the Giants beat. The Washington Nationals. A huge NLDS victory. But it's pretty rare where you see a prospect, when you see a rookie, not just showing off on the big stage, but coming into their own on the biggest stage. Duvall was the reliever of the month in September. And while that technically won't go on the stat sheet as playoff baseball, you and I both know, if you've been following this Giants team, that that was playoff baseball. Giants barely were leading the Dodgers, were trailing the Dodgers in the NL West. Every game mattered because every game, any loss, put them at risk of losing the NL West divisional crown. Duvall delivered. It was the most dominant stretch of his career in the in the minor leagues included. It's been September and now October of 2021. Just an incredible stretch from the rookie. I can't wait to watch him as his career goes on. But for right now, the Giants got Game 4 tomorrow. It's going to be Anthony DiSclefani on the mound. He's got some extended rest and... He'll be going up. For a second, I was hopeful we'd get a Dodger bullpen game just because, you know, Dodgers rotation's nasty. But they're on the line now. Their back's against the wall. They lose one more. Their season is done. So they're sending Walker Bueller out on short rest. Bueller over at Sclafani is probably going to be how the odds makers make this out in Vegas in L.A., and, you know, I'm not a betting man. I'm not out here trying to call the Giants favorites or anything. But I'll say this. If you're looking for a reason of hope, if you're, if you're looking for a reason for optimism, obviously the Giants won 107 games. They won the last two out of the last three games in the series. That's plenty right there. But another thing, and again, it's small sample sizes. I understand anyone who doesn't want to fall for recency bias. But if you look at September, Walker Bueller hasn't has been more up and down recently than we've come to expect. The month of September, his ERA was 4.83. It was a bit lower. It was a bit higher than it probably should have been. His last two starts were great. Seven shutout innings against the Padres on September 28th. And then he struck out 11 in five innings against the Brewers in the final series of the season. And that's a bit deceiving because at that point, the Dodgers were up huge in the game. So they were able to pull Bueller a bit earlier. He could easily could have probably gone six, maybe seven or probably seven in that one too. So to be fair, but 4.83 ERA, um, you know, not been his best stuff. He, that included a six run three inning performance against the Giants to start the month and included a three and two thirds innings, five earned run start against the Rockies. Three runs, six innings against the Reds. And that doesn't include game one of this series. Where you remember, Bueller was good. Bueller was solid. Bueller was not the reason the Dodgers lost game one. 
Bueller went six in the third, only struck out five, and ultimately gave up six hits and three earned runs. And now he's going to be asked to pitch on short rest. Di Sclafani has, you know, by no means been the Giants' ace. He's been the third Giants' third best pitcher all season. You can argue recently Alex Wood's been better. His ERA on the year was still 3.17. And in the month of September, made six starts. His ERA was 2.25. As the year went on, Di Sclafani struggled to work deep into games. The Giants were cautious with his pitch count. It hasn't eclipsed 100 since July 4th, and it did not eclipse 89. In fact, it didn't reach 90 since August 2nd. They were tight with his pitch count. They've had a quick trigger. Worked six innings a few times, four innings another, five shutout innings in his final start of the regular season against the Padres. But he's quietly been very good even in these abbreviated outs. Now, there's been a lot of traffic on the bases. Again, there's, you know, he's going up against a tough, tough Dodger lineup. And we can talk about early in the season, the Dodgers had Di Sclafani's number. But remember, he went up against Bueller on September 3rd. Everyone said Di Sclafani's been hammered by the Dodgers. Bueller's had Giants' number. Bueller got cuffed. Di Sclafani went six shutout innings, struck out five, again walked three, gave up a pair of hits. The Giants will have a chance. Di Sclafani has a chance. He's a free agent at the end of this season. He's looking to make some big money. And there's no better way to make some big money than come out here in October and lock this NLDS series up, get the Giants to the NLCS without having to go back home to Oracle Park for a game five and let them save Logan Webb and Kevin Gaussman to line up their rotation for that series. It's going to be huge. It's going to be exciting. And whatever happens, I'll be on the mic to talk about it again tomorrow. So as always, uh, you can follow me over on Twitter for all my latest takes on the Giants and Bay Area sports. I'm covering the 49ers over at Niners Nation, covering the Warriors over at Golden State of Mine. So give me a follow or give those sites a follow if you want to keep up with my work. There, I am your host, Mark DeLuke. This has been another episode of Sound the Foghorn. If you missed um, last episode, um, this is going to be the end of my run here at Around the Foghorn, which means uh, I'm leaving Sound the Foghorn and there's no host currently set to end me, so this could be the end of this podcast as well. At the very least, it'll be taking a pause. Um, And I'm going to be going until the Giants postseason run ends, and I hope this run keeps going for a while. I got no qualms. With that, story of the day, Camilo Duvall, two-winning save, 24-year-old, looks like a young star. The Giants lead the Dodgers 2-1 to one in the National League Divisional Series. It could be on the verge of reaching the NLCS. <laughs>